Nexus Church is all about cultivating an authentic Christian community where old and young alike journey with Jesus and are transformed by the gospel. May we be challenged and inspired by the power of His Word. We're going to read one passage this morning. We've been working through a series as a church called Vivid Words, looking at the original Aramaic words that are preserved in Scripture only four times. These words were so powerful that they couldn't be translated. Matthew 27, verse 45. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all of the land. If you read an older translation, it would say the sixth hour to the ninth hour. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? A direct quote from Psalm 22. Some scholars would tell us that as Jesus is speaking out one line, he's actually declaring the entirety of Psalm 22. Psalm 22 says that my joints are all out of joint. My hands and my feet have been pierced. They cast lots for my clothing. But Psalm 22 ends with, I will yet praise you in the assembly for you hear my voice. Amazing that Psalm 22 was written by David. David, writing this perhaps 700 years earlier, had no idea about crucifixion. Crucifixion wasn't invented until 300 years after the time of David, and yet David is writing about, you've pierced my hands, you've pierced my feet, and Jesus, 700 years later, is on the cross declaring, Psalm 22, you've pierced my hands, you've pierced my feet, yet I will praise you in the assembly. Jesus knew exactly what was happening. When some of those standing heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge and he filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus. And the rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. Notice this, as this is where we'll go this morning. At that moment, at that very moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. And when the centurion and all those who were with him were guarding Jesus, when they saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. I want to look at those three things that happened that very moment when Jesus breathed his last. And notice he gave up his spirit. Jesus laid his life down willingly and he gave his spirit up in that last moment. I guess this morning it'd be so easy to go to any number of scriptures and to go to any number of the New Testament writers and hear their thoughts on the cross. If we were to ask Paul, Paul would say at that moment, 2 Corinthians 5.21, that God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be the righteousness of God, that we have been redeemed. We could ask Peter, and Peter might actually say something very similar. And he might say that Christ died for sins once and for all to bring you to God, that you've been redeemed by his love. We could go to the writer of Hebrews, Hebrews 10, and he might say, now because of the blood of Jesus, we have access to the most holy place. Now, we could even go to John, and John would say, well, in that moment, the atoning sacrifice, you've been purified by the blood of Jesus. And he is the propitiation, if you read that old version of it. He is the atoning sacrifice. 
In fact, we go back to Paul in Colossians 2 and he says that he has disarmed the powers and authority, cancelled the written code that stands against you and I and nailed it to the cross, making a public spectacle of it, the victory of the cross. And we could go to any number of them. They would talk about the redemptive work, the atoning work, the victory of the cross, and they would all be right. The fact of the matter is, is that the cross is a mystery. But what we do know is this, is that everything you and I need is found on the cross. The achievement of the cross has flowed into our hearts, giving us everything we need. You see, you may just see a moment where Jesus breathed his last, but in that moment, things completely and radically transform for all of humankind. Jesus would say in his own words out of Matthew that I'm giving my life as a ransom for many. He was saying in his own words that I'm pouring my blood out, the blood of the new covenant for all, for the forgiveness of sins. And so much happens on the cross that we will be forever exploring the victory and achievements of it. I don't know if last week you caught a very important golf tournament, one of the most important tournaments in the world. You know that I'm going to talk about this kind of thing. The Masters, Scotty Scheffler won by a long way. And the Masters is an amazing tournament because it's incredibly prestige. I remember a number of years ago when I was watching it in America when Adam Scott won. And I remember Beck coming into the room and it was very cute because she came in and she said, oh, look, for winning, he gets a green jacket. <laughs> yes, that's a cool jacket. Yes, it is a cool jacket. But can I tell you that he also got more than just a green jacket. These guys are not just playing only for a green jacket, they're playing for so much more. And I can tell you last week when Schaffler won the tournament, in that moment, yes, he wins a green jacket, but he gets so much more than that. Let me tell you what else he gets. Not only does he get a cool green jacket, he wins $2.7 million. He gets life membership to the Masters tournament to the day he dies. He never has to qualify. He gets to go to the second champions level of the locker room that only the champions ever get to use. And here is the best bit of all. For the champions dinner next year, he gets to choose the menu. <laughs> They're all on equal level. I hope it's lasagna and peaches and ice cream because that's what I would choose. You know, in one moment, you may have flicked on the TV and all you see is a man getting a green jacket. Can I tell you, there's so much more that was achieved. So much more was given. And sometimes when we look at the cross, we think, well, that's, that's lovely, that's great. Now all I, something good has happened for me. Can I tell you that the layers of what has been achieved for you is a mystery that you will explore your entire life. You have been redeemed. You have been brought back. The cross does have victory. That does mean you are free. That does mean your eternal life is secure. That means nothing holds you back any longer. And the cross is a constant reminder that we have everything we need in Jesus. And I want to talk about three achievements of the cross that Matthew alone talks about. You'll notice three things happen at that very moment. Three things happen. The curtain was torn from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, the tombs broke open. And the bodies of many holy people were brought to life. I want to talk about the three things that happen in that moment, the three things that are available to us today just from Matthew's account. 
Matthew is not writing a theological exposition. Matthew is just telling us exactly what is happening. But every one of these natural occurrences, to the naked eye, perhaps it just looks like rocks are splitting. But for us, it means so much more today. And we're going to walk in the freedom of that. Verse 51. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was, was torn into from top to bottom. Depending on which curtain it was, would probably determine how magnanimous it was for every group of people. There was a curtain that separated the most holy place from the holy of holies. There was a curtain that separated the Gentiles from the other people. There was a curtain that separated the women from the rest of the, the world that wanted to participate. The fact of the matter is, is that the temple system was a constant reminder that there is a barrier between you and God. The high priest only one time a year on the Day of Atonement, only one person one time a year would enter the Holy of Holies with a sacrifice and that was it. One person once a year could experience the presence of God and now that curtain, that veil has been torn. You know what this means for all of humanity? Firstly, it means that that temple system is obsolete. In fact, 30 years after Jesus, the temple would be completely destroyed anyway. But it means in that moment that there is no barrier, no obstacle from you freely entering the presence of a living God, freely stepping towards the holy presence of a loving God and being accepted. In fact, if you want to read about it, just read the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews is essentially just talking about a torn curtain. Hebrews is saying you can enter the most holy place with confidence and receive grace and find mercy. Why is this important? Because I would hazard a guess that people in this room today in Sandgate online, that maybe you think it's always about getting yourself right. Maybe you think it's about becoming a certain kind of person. Maybe you've grown up with a religious idea that you have to make yourself presentable to God. Can I tell you what a broken curtain means? You no longer have to do that. A broken curtain means you freely step towards God's presence today. I'm sure you've flown on an aeroplane at some point in your life. I'm sure that you've had that wonderful moment of sitting in economy class or business class. And you know what happens? It gets to that certain point of the flight when everyone's settled, everyone's safe. And if you're in the cattle class back here with the common folk, the person always, the, the flight attendant comes by and they just get that thin little wafer see-through curtain and they flick it. <laughs> You've seen this. The worst is when they just catch your eye at the last moment. And you think, oh, one day, Lord. <laughs> or maybe you're the person on the other side and you get to kind of look down and go, see you guys. <laughs> I always find that so amazing. There's been so many jokes about that. But this tiny little curtain, but we all know none shall cross it. You ever had little kids? We've done many traumatic flights with little kids and they run through there. It's like, don't, you'll be, you'll be scalded, you'll be burned, you'll never return. Here, we'll tie a little rope around your leg, we'll pull you back through if you get knocked down. Can I tell you, and I feel in my heart today, so many of us think that you will not be accepted. So many of us think that you couldn't come to a place like this. 
Can I tell you the veil, the curtain is torn? Can I tell you that means you freely step towards that? You deserve to be in the first class presence of the living God and you'll be surprised at what you find there. You'll be surprised that you are accepted. You'll be surprised that your life changes. Well, Nathan, I don't have all the answers to all my questions. Well, join the club. Nobody does. There's things I'm still figuring out. That's okay. I've got my doubts. That's okay. Step towards his presence. And in a moment when we take communion, I want you to have that image in your mind that as you get out of your seat, you're not stepping towards some bread and some juice just at Everton Park. You're stepping towards the presence of a loving God who accepts you today, whose eye is upon you. The second thing, and don't worry, I'll speed up or the kids will get very restless indeed. At that moment, the earth shook, the rock split and the tombs broke open. I find this amazing. Now, throughout scripture, we know that when the earth shakes, it's symbolic of the presence of God. Mount Sinai, there was thunder and lightning and the earth shook. We know for Elijah that he experienced the presence of God and there was an earthquake shaking and symbolic of that. The rock splitting could be an addition to the, the earthquake, but as well as that, with the rock splitting, we're reminded that when Moses struck the rock, water flowed out for the people in the desert. But the last symbol there is the fact that the tombs broke open. Instantly, our minds should go to John 11 when Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead. You know what he does? He knows that he's going to raise Lazarus, but he asks the people to roll the stone away. Now, you think about this, right? If Jesus in John 11 had the power to raise Lazarus from the dead, why did he not also decide to remove, remove the stone away? Because he invites you and I to walk out in freedom. And I want to remind us that in the moment when Jesus breathed his last, the curtain was torn in two, but also the barriers to freedom were removed. And so much of us can experience the presence of God, and yet we live our lives bound up, oppressed and in chains. Can I tell you that the cross reminds us that we can be free. The cross reminds us that the ultimate things that want to hold us back in a moment with Jesus can be broken off our lives. We could apply this practically and physically in our lives with needing healing and breakthrough in our bodies, but spiritually as well. Paul would say this, it was for freedom that Christ died. Therefore, use your freedom. Can I tell you, when the tombs rolled open, it was a declaration that on the cross, not only can people freely access my presence, my people can live in freedom. Now, I want to invite you when you step forward today, anything that is holding you back, any thought, any mindset, any chain that has kept you bound up, I believe as you step forward today to receive the victory of the cross that all those chains will come off your life and you can walk out in freedom because he achieved it on the cross. And lastly, and team, you can come and join me. At that very moment, the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. No doubt this was the first zombie apocalypse recorded in scripture. <laughs> it's okay to laugh in church. It's fascinating that Matthew includes this. But at that very moment, resurrection life was bursting forth. And it's almost as if Matthew can't but help us kind of say, hey, just so you know, there's a resurrection coming. Just to give you a heads up, at the end of the story, there's people raised and they come in to town. I mean, 
it would be unusual thinking about it. These people are raised to life and for three days, they're sort of just hanging out. I mean, I've got a lot of questions. What were they doing? Just playing cards, catching up on some news. Three days, we'll get the signal we can go into town and really scare everybody. But do you know what this is telling us? At that very moment, the curtain was torn. We have free access. At that very moment, the stone was rolled away. You can live in freedom. At that very moment, when Jesus gave up his spirit, resurrection life just birthed uncontrollably upon some great people out there. You know what this reminds us of? You know what this tells you and I today? That because of Jesus, death no longer has the final word. One of the greatest gifts that Jesus gives us. In fact, Paul would say this in 1 Corinthians 15, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, but thanks be to Jesus, for he has overcome death. He's reminding us that death has been swallowed up in victory. I love that imagery. The death of death, the end of death. And the resurrection of these people in that moment reminds us that for you and I, death is never the end of the story. Probably in the Western world, we don't talk about it that much. People are interested in heaven and things that happen afterwards, but there is a resurrection life and there's resurrection power available for you and I today that will give strength to our bodies, that gives us an eternal security in Him. And with that, we're going to take communion. Because at the moment when Jesus breathed His last, Everything that separated us from his presence is now open. It's free to enter. No matter who you are, no matter where you're from today. At that moment, everything that was holding us back, we can step towards in freedom. At that moment, resurrection life is available. We hope this message encouraged or perhaps even challenged you in your Christian faith. Our pastors meet regularly with people to pray and support them, and we extend this invitation to you. Please let us know if we can contact you to offer support. Simply call the office or visit nexuschurch.com.au.